Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, our Seattle-based correspondent, Katie Davis-Court, recently visited the airport in El Paso, Texas, and she discovered dozens and dozens of illegal aliens literally sleeping on the floor. And get this, there are more illegals coming to this airport and other U.S. venues on a daily basis. Katie has all the disturbing details. And Tamara Ugolini will be joining me to weigh in on what might very well be the latest COVID-19 scandal, which is to say various health necromancers are advising that COVID vax boosters can be given concurrently or co-administered with other vaccines like the flu shot or standard childhood routine vaccines. But this advice seems to directly contradict the manufacturer's advice, given that both Pfizer and Moderna state there is no information on the co-administration of their vaccines with other vaccines. Holy mackerel, what's going on here? And letters, we get your letters, we get your letters every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about my recent appearance on Tucker Carlson tonight, in which we discussed the ongoing sordid saga pertaining to Busty Lemieux. Yeah, he's that shop teacher with those enormous Z cup fake breasts. And get this, evidence is mounting that this dude might just be a sexual pervert not that the Halton District School Board gives a rodent's rectum, mind you. Those are your Rebels, now let's round them up. Are Canadians being dangerously misled by the very health institutions that claim to care about their health and safety? Well, let's dig in. Tamara Ugolini here with Rebel News to bring you a jarring revelation that I discovered while pursuing the depths of the World Wide Web. See, one of the purported COVID-19 experts that is readily and repeatedly amplified by mainstream media is Isaac Bogosh. He pushed the novel injections heavily as a member of Ontario's COVID-19 vaccine distribution task force. On December the 10th, he shared information on Twitter that he thought may be helpful to some that included a screenshot to an updated summary document published by Canada's National Advisory Committee on Immunization, that's also called NACI or NACI, and it now recommends COVID-19 vaccines be given concurrently with other vaccines in anyone aged six months and older. The full summary was published on December 9th, which was the day after that the FDA authorized the bivalent COVID-19 vaccine boosters for children down to six months of age. The very next day, which was the same day as that summary advice issuance, Health Canada rubber-stamped the bivalent booster for the same demographic of infants, toddlers, and preschoolers. And yet this advice that the boosters can be given concurrently or co-administered with other vaccines like the flu shot or the standard childhood routine vaccines seems to be directly contradicted in the manufacturer's own package insert. While poking around on the FDA's website, I found that the fact sheet for healthcare providers for both Pfizer and Moderna shots, and in there it clearly laid out that there is quote, no information on the co-administration, end quote, of either vaccine with other vaccines. 
This contradicts the quote from NACI Chair Shelley Deeks, who hopes that the new recommendation on concurrent administration will improve access and uptake for all recommended childhood vaccines. Or that of Canada's Chief Public Health Officer, Dr. Teresa Tam, who says in the updated guidance that it will make it easier for young children to stay up to date with all of their recommended vaccines, including the 2022-2023 seasonal influenza vaccine. In the document itself, there is a number to call to obtain additional information. Have a listen to how competently that hotline is being managed. Oh, hi there. I'm calling to speak with someone about the statement by NACI on December 9th regarding COVID-19 vaccine booster doses and the concurrent vaccine administration. Unfortunately, we are not able to help with that, but I do have a telephone number that I would be able to provide for you. May I just confirm, please, on what province you are calling from today? Ontario. Great, and may I also confirm with you on how you heard about our telephone number, please? Uh, through your press release. Okay, so I do have a telephone number uh, that you would be able to contact uh, regarding this, if you would be able to write this down. Sure. So the telephone number is one eight six six. Mm-hmm. Okay, the phone number that uh, was included in the statement and the press release was this number that I've just called here. So why was it put on the press release? So we are just a general information line for coronavirus. So anything that has to deal with um, the, pro- the province giving out any type of booster doses, that uh, we unfortunately we are not able to help with that. We just provide information about COVID-19. That's all we do. Oh, it says it's the Public Health Agency of Canada. Is that who this is? No, so unfortunately we are not public health. We are just the general information line. Okay, and this number that you've given me, is that for the Public Health Agency of Canada? So that's your provincial health authority, correct? Uh, so can I get a direct line to the Public Health Agency of Canada because they're who released this statement? Okay, or is there any way to reach the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, NACI? That's who seems to be, this press release is done in conjunction with NACI and Public Health Agency of Canada. And again, this is the number on the press release to call for more information. But I understand. You can't give me more information? even though the press release says that you do. So uh, they might have said that public health. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we do get confused a lot with public health, but we are not. We are just a general information line. In regards of vaccines distributed in Canada, the most information that we have in regards of that is just an email. Uh, my apologies, not an email address, a website link that we have. Oh, I see. Okay, well, thanks so much for your help. Well, they wanted to provide me with just a website link, which... I was unable to tangibly reach or speak to anyone to get my answers. Wow. Talk about transparency. A press release states that if you need more info, then kindly call a phone number that directs you to the female equivalent of Sergeant Schultz, i.e. I know nothing. I see nothing. But the crux of the matter is this. 
A purported COVID-19 expert recently shared advice <clears throat> suggesting COVID-19 vaccines can be given concurrently alongside other vaccines in anyone six months of age and older. The very next day, which was the same day as that summary issuance, Health Canada rubber-stamped the bivalent booster for the same demographic of infants, toddlers, and preschoolers. Yet the advice that the boosters can be given concurrently or co-administered with other vaccines like the flu shot or standard childhood routine vaccines seems to directly contradict the manufacturer's own advice. Both the Pfizer and Moderna fact sheet for healthcare providers clearly lays out that there is no information on the co-administration of either, vac of either vaccine with other vaccines. <clears throat> That's a little concerning, wouldn't you say? And clearly phoning the authorities for answers, well, that's tantamount to engaging in a fool's errand, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. Joining me now with more on this latest edition of COVID craziness is Tamara Ugolini. How you doing there, Tamara? Hey, David. Well, I am becoming increasingly concerned as a Canadian with the distrust, unfortunately, that's being further facilitated within these institutions that are supposed to uphold our health and safety. So I'm doing well, but I am a very concerned Canadian and a very concerned parent as this advice continues down this really slippery slope of dangerous precedence of not establishing safety before we roll something so novel and experimental out on the general population, especially our young, impressionable children who have you know a lifetime ahead of them of hopefully health and happiness. And, and Tamara, when it comes to Canadian parents, I mean, I look at this story that you've done. Great job, by the way. Lots of mixed messaging here. What are parents supposed to believe? I mean, it's very confusing. And when you phone for clarity and man, I, I know um, 2022 has a few days yet to go, but that might be the phone call of the year. Uh, it was like a Monty, a Monty Python sketch. But again, what are parents supposed to believe given all this contrary information? Mm -hmm. It's really sad because I think unless parents empower themselves with information and knowledge, they're going to just follow the status quo. And the status quo here seems to be just following these top-down orders from these health institutions that, again, are supposed to be able to we're supposed to be able to trust and are supposed to be upholding health and safety and seem to just have this callous, reckless disregard for true informed consent. And uh, at least here in Ontario, the issue that really plagues me is that when Health Canada and, and NACI, so the National Immunization uh, Advisory Committee, sorry, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, NACI or NACI, gives these recommendations. These are, like I mentioned, top-down orders coming from health institutions and what we would consider, for lack of a better word, is our health authorities. And the provinces and, and everyone from there on down the health pyramid just sort of blindly follows along unquestioningly and as we've seen throughout the COVID narrative specifically 
if you so much as question or become skeptical of these orders and things placed on you or research further or look simply at the product monograph, for instance, you're framed as some sort of conspiracy theorist uh, who fuels vaccine hesitancy. And so doctors and any all these medical professionals who have spoken out have been reprimanded and in many cases stripped of their licenses and punished and ridiculed and smeared in their communities. And so it, it really shows others that you don't want to speak out against the narrative here because this is how you'll be treated. This is what will happen to you. And so it's very dangerous and callous, in my opinion, that these health authorities and health institutions are putting out these broad recommendations based on no science, based on no data, and we're all expected to follow along. And if you don't, then you're a conspiracy theorist with uh, vaccine, procreating and provoking vaccine hesitancy. It's and grotesque. It, it is, Tamara. And, and yet nothing could be further from the truth. I, I agree. I, I, the COVID... Karens, as I call them, they're going to look at your report and they go, oh, look at this. There goes Rebel News again, uh, stirring the pot. Um, they're deniers. They're COVID idiots. But no, the reason why we love you here, Tamara, is you do your research. And I mean, I'm looking at it right now. <clears throat> you pointed out on Pfizer's package insert, it clearly states on page 53 no interaction studies have been performed. And then you look at Moderna's package insert, page 29. No interaction studies have been performed. So there you have it. It's in black and white. It's from the makers of these vaccines. So you've done your homework. So why are those in power giving a different narrative did they just assume that nobody like you, Tamara, would do the research? And of course, the mainstream media, they're in the bloody tank, aren't they? They're not going to blow the whistle on this. So was that their fatal assumption that this information would never get out? <clears throat> you know, I have, oh, that's a that's a very loaded question. Um, a fatal assumption. I hope that might be a fatal assumption because as we see more distress with the mainstream media and how they have just followed along and towed the line, instead of speaking truth to power and having skepticism and clarifying things, then yeah, that might be more nail in the coffin for their credibility. Absolutely. But what I drew from this report, and I just want to pull up the um, original fact sheet, <clears throat> um, the full summary, sorry. So this was the NACEI document, and it in there it quotes Dr. Teresa Tam, the Chief Medical Officer of Health at the Public Health Agency of Canada, and it also uh, quotes the NACEI Chair Shelley Deeks, and both of the quotes from them lead me to believe that this advice is given, <clears throat> pardon me, in order to increase vaccine uptake in general. So not just the COVID vaccines, but as we've seen throughout the COVID narrative and the way that the healthcare system has unfolded and the restrictions put in place that childhood immunizations, just as a rule of thumb, the routine ones that children get from zero to 18 months and onward have been in, in drastic decline. And I think they're really trying to ramp up getting that schedule back in action and back on schedule. And so they've put out this reckless, dangerous advice, again, based on no data and no science to support that this is safe and or, I mean, effective, but safe first and foremost. And it seems to be being done in such a way as to support and increase a return to that vaccine schedule in the pre-COVID era.
And yet, <clears throat> Tamara, you raise a good point. <clears throat> We've been told from the get-go um, by the usual suspects, follow the science, be it social distancing, being the, the wearing of face diapers, being it getting vaccinated and getting your boosters. But where's the science here? It, it doesn't exist. Yeah, and that's evidenced further by the way that Health Canada responded to me. So yeah, I'd had to jump through that bureaucratic, all these bureaucratic hoops, first and foremost, to even get someone that could remotely answer my questions, which no one on these phone lines is seems able <clears throat> or competent enough to be able to do so. They're like generic COVID lines, which leads me to wonder, you know, once again, how much are we paying these people to sit on the end of a phone line to answer general COVID questions? And when you, when you call about them, they have no idea what you're talking about and they don't have any idea what the manufacturer themselves say. I, I mean, they're just parrots and parrots for what? I mean, it's the narrative. It's the status quo. So how much are these people being paid? And that's a story in and of itself. But as evidenced by the way that the NACI, NACI responded to me, or sorry, as evidenced by the way that Health Canada responded to my emails for requests, and again, I had to be direct to the media line specifically because no one else could answer any of my questions. Um, <clears throat> I just want to pull up the the actual quote here, but they will um, essentially be be gathering the data in real time. So they say when developing recommendations, NACI reviews clinical trial data. Okay, that's fine, as well as data from real world use of vaccines. So that means that they're just ruling it out in real time, in real world situations on the general population, and they'll collect the data as the experiment goes on. I mean, this is so reckless. Again, on our youngest, most vulnerable demographics, age six months and up, these babies can't even speak to let you know if they're suffering some sort of reaction when they're jabbed up with who knows how many vaccines at their their routine childhood appointments and and they're just going to to go along to get along and if there's any flags for safety then maybe that will come up and maybe they'll withdraw this sort of recommendation but that'll all be in hindsight unbelievable tamara one last question i mean this is a splendid piece of journalism uh you've produced here um you've really uncovered a hell of a story here but I'm wondering, where does it go from here? The mainstream media, they would consider this radioactive. Uh, you know, they're government funded. And let's face it, Pfizer funded. And if you think I'm being I'm exaggerating, folks, just go to Google and type in brought to you by Pfizer. And you'll see like a seven minute long clip of just about every North American journalism organization uh, getting uh, funded or sponsored by Pfizer. And, um, of course, I, it's probably too toxic for YouTube. So this saddens me in a way, Tamara. A lot of people get their information from government and from media, which is kind of the same thing these days. How did, what is your hope that now that you've produced this data, that maybe some people will be a little more skeptical, will look at what Teresa, the likes of Teresa Tam are saying, and take that advice with, well, a shovel full of salt. 
Yeah, I think that as we've seen, again, the COVID narrative unfold, more and more people have started to, to question and say, wait a minute, I can't necessarily just believe verbatim what these people are saying to me, either on the TV or these uh, supposed experts. And as I mentioned before, this purported expert that sort of amplified this recommendation by Nasi Isaac Bogosh, and he's repeatedly amplified um, on the mainstream media by various news outlets, and of course, on social media platforms. And I just hope that this will empower people and especially parents who are making decisions based on someone else. Like this is a, that is a massive responsibility and undertaking is to try to make the most informed decisions you can on behalf of the health and well-being of someone else. Yeah. That is tantamount and that is massive. And, and it, and it comes with a lot of burden and responsibility. And I, and so I hope the takeaway from a report like this, although it's not being amplified by any of the mainstream media or any of these government officials who are giving this reckless, dangerous advice is just to request the package insert. Go to your, your local pharmacy. If you're in talks communication with your doctor, you can ask them to give you the package insert or it's called the product monograph for any drug. Anything that you want to administer to yourself or even most primarily your children, read the package insert, know the risks, weigh the benefits. This is about being a truly informed consent. And so true informed consent is weighing the risk with the benefit. And unfortunately, we're not being fully disclosed the risk. And so you have to find it for yourself. So research the product monograph. Ask your doctor or pharmacist if they can't provide it to you. You can find them very easily and readily online and, um, and, and learn how to, how to use Google and some of these search engines to try to achieve what you're looking for specifically and go into it, you know, with an open mind and unbiased and try to just think critically and um, in a way that you can, you can make that informed decision from a place of knowledge and power instead of fear and hysteria. You know, you're so right, Tamara. I mean, so many of us are so accustomed not to reading the fine print, but that's where the devil in the details is found, especially when it comes to something like an experimental vaccine that you're going to inject into your own body or into your own toddler's body. So be informed. That is the best offense. Tamara, you have a happy new year. We look forward to more of your superb reports in 2023, my friend. Thank you. And all, to all the rebels and you as well, David, we'll see you next year. You got it. Thank you so much. And that was Tamara Ugolini in Coburg, Ontario. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. So we just showed you that amazing and amazingly depressing footage of people from other countries sleeping on the floor of the airport in El Paso. Those pictures were shot by a reporter called Katie Daviscourt with Rebel News. She has more footage to share with us now. She joins us. Kate, thanks so much. Kate, thank you for coming on. Um, did, <laughs> were those pictures from the airport? I mean, would any person who landed at El Paso Airport have seen that? Why is this the first time we are seeing this? I'm just amazed that no one said anything until you. Right, Shucker. Tucker, thank you so much for having me on. Now, I will tell you right now that it's not going to make much of a difference if Title 42 is halted or not. There is a clear invasion happening in El Paso, even with Title 42 in place. And it is shocking. I hopped off the uh, plane at the El Paso airport, made my way to baggage claim, and that's when I noticed more than 100 illegal immigrants sleeping on the ground with Red Cross blankets. Now, the facilities here in El, in El Paso, they're all at max capacity. They cannot hold 
any more people. And so they are letting them out onto the streets, sleeping in freezing conditions with their babies, whole families. This is a humanitarian crisis. So uh, the airport has turned a portion of the, of the facility into a makeshift holding center. And so I went around and I asked the people where they're from. They told me the Dominican Republic, Peru, Colombia. But what I found most shocking was one of them said to me, who gave you the permission to film us? And I thought to myself, who gave you guys the permission to enter into the United States illegally, <laughs> which is a crime. But to them, to them, the borders are open. The Biden administration, they need to be held accountable for dereliction of duty and crimes against the American people. And where's NBC News and the New York Times and the Washington Post? Why is it left to a Canadian news site to bring this information to Americans? I just, I don't understand. I, I don't want to use the word cover up, but I, I, I don't know another word to describe what we're seeing. And I'm grateful to you uh, for showing us what's actually happening. Thank you. Katie Davis Court. Well, folks, imagine visiting an airport and finding dozens and dozens and dozens of people literally sitting on the floor, maybe even sleeping on the floor. And the reason they are occupying the airport has nothing to do with a severe weather event, but rather these folks are illegal aliens who hail from south of the U.S. border. That's what's going on in El Paso, Texas these days, as you just saw. And thankfully, Katie Davis Court ventured down to the Lone Star State to capture this situation on video because, as Tucker Carlson mentioned, it looks like the mainstream media in the U.S. simply cannot be bothered to report on this shocking story. And joining me now is Katie Davis Court back home in Seattle, Washington. Hey, how you doing there, Katie? Doing great. I'm actually not in Seattle. I'm still in El Paso. I'm still in El Paso, Texas. I'm heading home tonight. But you are absolutely right. This is the biggest story in America right now, but also the most unreported story. And it is a shame because there is an invasion happening right before our eyes. You, you know, and uh, wow, what a jet setter you are. I shouldn't have assumed you were back home. <laughs> There's too many <laughs> stories to cover. But you know, Katie, that footage was amazing. And one of the reasons we are witnessing such a surge in illegal aliens crossing the border is that Title 42 recently expired. Yes. For starters, Katie, can you explain to our viewers what exactly is or was Title 42? Right. So Title 42 is a Trump era policy that gave authorities permission to expel illegal immigrants if they had COVID. But that policy has remained in place because the migrant crisis is so bad that they ended up keeping it in place. But the Biden administration says there's no need to have Title 42 anymore because uh, get you get this. There's no need to have Title 42 because there's no longer a pandemic. So the illegal immigrants that have COVID now get to stay. But we found out. So the Supreme Court actually halted Title 42 from being expired on Wednesday, on Tuesday evening. So they're just waiting. And after Christmas, they're going to decide again if it actually does get expired. But we have a pretty significant report coming out that we filmed last night. We went to a COVID migrant hotel and we got the um, worker admitting to us that they are having illegal immigrants with COVID at their hotels and then releasing them back into the public when Title 42 is still in place and they should be deported. 
Unbelievable. But you know, Katie, here's mm-hmm. the, here's where I weigh in. Uh, I think the pandemic is irrelevant. I think the bare benchmark of a nation justifying itself as a nation is border security. If you can't yeah. prevent non-citizens from coming into your country, well, you're really not much of a country to begin with. And we see it here in Canada, too, the infamous Roxham Road, where the Royal Canadian Mounted Police turned into bellhops to actually help the illegals uh, cross with their luggage. Here's what I want to get you to weigh in on. The unspoken strategy, I feel, Katie, is that whether it's the Democrats in the U.S. or the liberals here in Canada, it's getting people into the country illegally. And basically the quid pro quo is, hey, every four years, um, vote Democrat, vote liberal. That's all we're asking of you. It's all about changing the demographics of our nation. Is that too outrageous or how do you feel, Katie? No, you're exactly right. It is all by design. They are flooding in record-breaking numbers. And um, so the National Guard, the city of El Paso, they declared a state of emergency ahead of Title 42 expiring. And so they have been out on the border between Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, and El Paso, Texas, the last two days. But, and they're at an area where all the illegal immigrants by the thousands gather. It is their spot that they gather and come into the U.S. But... Their show of force has pre- has prevented them from lining up, and there has been a video out showing National Guard members directing them to go one mile down the border, where Border Patrol will then pick them up and uh, have them enter into the United States illegally, where they are then let back out on the streets of El Paso. But just in the city of El Paso alone, there has been more than 80,000 illegal immigrants released into the street since late August. That is just a little over three months. And 7 million have entered into the U.S. since President Biden took office. They have no plans to stop this because it could be easily stopped if they actually had enforcement. And Katie, I find this outrageous because at the crux of the matter is, who are these people? We don't know if yeah. they're criminals, if they're terrorists, if they're carrying any kind of uh, communicable uh, disease. It's mm-hmm. like on face value, oh, these are just people that don't want to get in line. And who are we to say not get in line? Come on in. I mean, this is an outrageous dereliction of duty, I think, Katie. You're absolutely right. And what is the most heartbreaking is only 30% of the children that you see crossing illegally into the United States are with their birth families. 70% are being trafficked and actually go missing and unaccounted for. Nobody knows where they are. And you will love this fun fact that I found out yesterday. Um, transgender illegal immigrants get put in the front of the in front in the front of the line <laughs> before women and babies. So if you are a transgender legal immigrant, you are the most protected class. Um, oh my goodness. I, I wonder if Busty Lemieux knows in case he wants to uh fast track an immigration <laughs> process uh to the US. Although that's a funny kind of thing though, isn't it, Katie? The border in terms of Canadians, if they want to come into the US illegally it's a different kettle of fish. It's always the the, the um, 
the lion's share of the illegal immigration is south to north. Uh, in other words, Mexico, Central America, South America, uh, going in into a uh, into the United yeah. States. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just um, unbelievable. And, and and by the way, it it is so important to be on the ground to document this, Katie, because. Absolutely. You yep. know, uh, super producer Efren and I, we went down to Mexico in 2018. Remember the mass caravan that was on its way uh, yeah. to the U.S.? And yep. it was being reported here by our state-sponsored stenographer uh, agency, CBC, that yeah. 50% of the migrants were children. Katie, I can tell you the number was actually less than 1%. So you can't trust the mainstream media, no. but... In this case, they're just taking a pass on this. What do you think the reason is for that? I think that they're just complicit with the government. All of our mainstream media here, besides, you know, Fox News, is a far left propaganda machine. And that's why you will see. I've seen CNN here, but, you know, they're just outside their hotels. They're not going to the border. They're not getting the actual shots. They're not telling the truth. And that's why it's so important to have uh, independent journalists on the ground who can actually provide coverage. I mean... Why do you think we're on Fox? Fox is using our footage because we're the only ones reporting the truth here in El Paso. And it's also worth mentioning that Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, is one of the uh, top five murder capitals of the world. <laughs> so what we're yeah. So what we're doing is not um, you, you have to be very careful because you can get yourself into a dangerous situation pretty quickly, but I know um, some pretty good other independent journalists on the ground as well who have taken us onto deep tours of the tunnels where the cartels are hanging out. And we have each other's backs here, but the mainstream media, where are they? Why aren't, this is a humanitarian crisis where women and children are being human trafficked at record breaking numbers into the United States. It should be the biggest story in the world. Oh, 100 uh, percent. And, and, and Katie, I know 2022 still has a few days yet to run until we get into the new year. But mm -hmm. I'm going to give the chutzpah quote of the year award to 2022. Uh, nevertheless, to that illegal alien that said to you, who gave you permission <laughs> to film me? I mean, my jaw hit the linoleum. Here is somebody, an illegal alien, crossing into the border, no papers, nothing. And suddenly, uh, I don't like the way you're running things here. I, I don't like this thing called the First Amendment. I mean, Katie, what was your reaction when you uh, uh, encountered that person saying that in the first place? Yeah, no, I just thought, wow, the audacity. And and so I so I said, well, who gave you permission to enter the United States illegally, which is a crime? I was so taken aback. And that was at the airport when I first landed. It was just immediate. Boom. By there the way, did she, did she answer that question? No, she didn't. I walked away because I'm just like, there's so many. I was outnumbered by that. And I'm just like, they didn't answer, though. Yeah. You know, how dare you confront her with logic, uh, Katie? Yeah. Last question. <laughs> because, yeah. You know, there's a lot of crime in El Paso, as you said, but I imagine the majority of that city, they are good law abiding Texans and Americans. They probably don't want this happening. Um, what what do you see if you're doing a little crystal ball gazing? Is this going to be par for the course? for 2023, 2024 even? Or is there going to be enough of an outcry that this 
you know, outrageous and egregious situation in El Paso and other uh, border towns comes to an end, Katie. Oh, no, the, this city is far gone. I think that if the citizens here actually start speaking out, the problem is, is that mainstream media doesn't give them that outlet. So that's why it's important for me to come back to places like this and all along the U.S. southern border to actually speak with the people. Um, as I was reporting across the highway where one of the border walls were, a man from across the street actually ended up waving me down. And I was like, and he was at a few homes that looked very sketchy. And so I said to my cameraman, I was like, do we even go over there? And so we decided to go talk to him. And it is such a travesty what we were told. His name is um, Joaquin. And the illegal immigrants are using his personal homes as stash houses across the highway. And the city is now fining him for all the trash that they have left. They have broken the windows. There's clothing everywhere. His homes, he has three of them. They're absolutely desecrated. And the city is has the audacity to fine him for their own failures. So the city, the people that live here, a lot of them are open are awake to the issues. Actually, at the hotel I'm staying at right now, illegal immigrants are staying here. And the workers are actually telling me about um, how they don't want them staying in their hotels, but they're forced to by the city. And so um, we, we got to keep giving them voices, but it is such a Hispanic part of town that a lot of the people are kind of complicit and want the um, think that having all the illegals here aren't an issue. So it's pretty divided. And I guess we're going to see what happens because the city is very far gone. Wow. How, how sad to hear. And I'll tell you, Katie, after that anecdote, if I'm Joaquin, I think what I'm doing is I'm going to throw a dress on, uh, self-identify <laughs> as an illegal transgender uh, border <laughs> crosser. And instead of being fined, he'll probably get the key to the city. Um, uh, <laughs> wonderful piece of journalism. You're really hitting it out of the ballpark. Uh, look forward to seeing more reports from you in uh, 2023. I wish you a very happy new year, my friend. Thanks, David. You too. You got it. And that was Katie Davis Court in El Paso, Texas. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. You remember, of course, the Canadian shop teacher who decided to pull his entire classroom into his sexual fetishes, the guy who showed up wearing grotesquely oversized prosthetic breasts in the class. Now, the local school board in Ontario, the Halton District School Board, is defending the teacher. Of course, they're attacking the kids, banning the students from taking pictures of him. And one of the few Canadian journals who's covering this and has from the beginning is a man called David Menzies with Rebel News. To highlight the absurdity of all of this, Menzies just dropped off a petition to the school board dressed in the same fetish gear as the teacher. The saying goes, if you can't beat them, join them. So let's do the Linda Carter thing and see if the menzoid can transition himself. I'd like to present a petition called Protect the Students. We've had over 16,000 signatures. It reads, the Halton District School Board and the Director of Education, Curtis Innes, should be fired for allowing a female identifying shop teacher to wear enormous fake breasts that are barely contained by see-through blouses while teaching. 
The guy with the gun shows up because he's saying things they don't like. It really has become a police state in Canada. That's not an overstatement. David Menzies is the reporter we just mentioned with Rebel News in Canada. He joins us tonight. David, thanks so much for coming on. It didn't seem like they got the joke when they sent the cop over to you. Like, they didn't think it was funny. Oh, no, indeed, Tucker, and a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. This is the thing about the uber-woke Halton District School Board, Tucker, is that they're all down with radical transgenderism, including a teacher who dresses up as a grotesque caricature of a woman as if That's he's right. a drag queen, but only for the kids in shop class to see that, not when it comes to their, um, to their school board meeting. So when I came there... What happened after that is we received a letter and Tucker for asking insensitive questions. I am banned for life at the Halton District School Board head office, all of its properties and all of its schools. I will be immediately arrested with trespass. They've said that in writing. So you're absolutely right. Canada is devolving into a police state uh, with every passing week, my friend. So it's okay to wag the pathetic breast in the face of children in your classroom, but it's not okay to show up wearing them to a school board meeting. Did they explain why? Oh, no, they don't explain. They don't communicate. Uh, they know better. And the fact of the matter is, uh, Tucker, as I've said from day one, there is three theories as to what is going on with this teacher, Lemieux. We call him Busty Lemieux. It sounds like a vaudeville performer from way back when. But these are the theories. One is this is a genuine transition. I put that right in the paper shredder right away, Tucker, because if you're a member of the trans community, if you're a man going female or female going male, you want to blend in with the other sex. You don't want to stand out. You right. don't want to look like, as I said before, a, a drag queen performer, a grotesque caricature of a woman. So that leaves us with two theories, Tucker. One, and there's a lot of social media chatter about this, is that He's basically taking the piss out of the Halton District School Board. He is pump, uh, punking them. He is saying, okay, you're so down with wokeism. How's this for you? In which case, he might be a bit of a hero. The other theory, Tucker, and this is the one I'm leaning to more and more as I get more and more evidence, is that this is someone who suffers from a condition called autogenophilia. And basically... This involves when men are transitioning to women, not all of them, but some of them. They have this condition where when they wear the apparel of women, when they put on the props of women like a fake breast, they actually get sexually aroused. And I'm leaning more to that, Tucker, because a woman who would not come on camera with me, but more importantly, she had photographic evidence. Lemieux showed up, I think it was two years ago, at a theater in Burlington, it was for a dance recital with little girls, I believe, 8 to 12. It was a private event, Tucker. And what happened is he snuck in in his full drag queen regalia at, uh, you know, the intermission, sat right in the first row. And I was told that it looked like this individual was getting aroused watching these little girls dance. Now, all the mothers, as you can imagine, are saying, who is this person? Whose child uh, belongs to that person? So after the number, they went down there. They said, do you have a child here? Because this is a private event. He said, no. They said, you have to leave. And he left. Now, Tucker, what mature male would, without a child performing, would dress up in that outlandish costume and then sit there in the front row looking at these little girls dance? But here's the rub. 
for the Halton District School Board to even do their due diligence and investigate, to ask questions, is this a guy pranking us or is this a guy suffering from some kind of sexual perversion, that would seem to be, to me, at least for, uh, for their being, an act of transphobia. They will not even ask questions. They will not investigate. They're just accepting it on face value. And meanwhile, Tucker, they had a committee investigate, can we have a dress code for faculty? One exists for students, and if a girl at Oakville Trafalgar dressed like that, she's expelled. And the, the findings were this, we can't implement a dress code for the faculty because it opens us up to liability. Tucker, does that make sense? Why can you have a no. dress code for kids, but you can't for the adults? Because they don't care about the kids, as you've uh, exactly. I, I think, conclusively shown. David Menzies, Rebel News, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas, Tucker. Well, first of all, folks, what an honor it was to be on Tucker Carlson tonight. And more importantly, thank goodness Tucker takes an interest in Canadian stories because most of the Canadian mainstream media well, they've been missing in action when it comes to this particular sordid saga. I guess our government-funded woke stenographers are all down with the radical transgender revolution. Even if it adversely affects minors, what a disgrace. In any event, you had plenty to say about the ongoing freak show that is taking place at Oakville Trafalgar High School these days. In-home trainer Oakville writes... One of my clients is a young student who goes to the high school where this obscenity teaches. He told me some of his friends were taking photos of this idiot and he was getting all upset. Seriously, anyone who dresses that way is obviously looking for attention. Then when he gets it, he gets pissed off. What a joke this whole thing has become. Well, sir, that's the thing, isn't it? Thanks to the woke joke Halton District School Board, Whatever Busty Lemieux wants, Busty Lemieux shall receive because to deny a request from him, well, that's tantamount to what? Transphobia? Indeed, recently the HDSB decided in its infinite wisdom that a dress code for teachers could not be implemented because that would open up the board to liability. What? Top labor lawyers in Canada have weighed in on this matter, and they say that the HDSB is full of nonsense, that even in a unionized environment, a dress code is completely okay. This board really is an absolute disaster run by woke cowards. BGRDDG40 writes, So it's appropriate in the classroom, but not at the school board meeting? Yep, the HDSB educrats have no problem with kids being exposed to perversity in the classroom, but when it comes to getting up close and personal to them at their headquarters, well, that's a little too much tit-for-tat for those educrats, if you get my drift. T.S. Rocks writes, I'm a real woman, and I remember getting chased and disciplined by teachers just for wearing a tank top that didn't cover my shoulders. But those were the rules and professional expectations for a school setting isn't a bad thing. Now I'm so angry that men can just come around and do whatever they want with no consequences, 
and you'll be punished if you question it. Well, T.S. Rocks, I bet the morons at the HDSB would discipline you for simply using the phrase real woman because in this world full of transanity in which we live, what's a woman? Not even a certain U.S. Supreme Court justice can define that, work these, that word these days. And in terms of dress codes, the HDSB does indeed have a dress code for students. They even have a dress code for Halloween costumes, if you can believe it. But they won't implement a dress code for teachers. Does that make sense to anyone? Diamond Dust writes, nice job, David, representing the Canadian silent majority. Well, thank you kindly, Diamond Dust. And I have news to report on the silent majority front, which is to say, in response to the circus sideshow that is the Busty Lemieux fiasco, a group of parents in Halton Region have formed an organization called Students First Ontario, and they have retained a lawyer. So if the HDSB wants to play hardball and they want to go all in when it comes to protecting someone who might very well be a sexual pervert, then so be it. The HDSB in the months ahead can tell it to the judge. Looks like finally Mama Bear has woken up. And you know what, folks? She is very, very pissed off indeed. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. And what a year it's been, eh, folks? Hopefully 2023, things might go back to normal on this planet. Although I'll believe it when I see it. Have yourselves a very happy new year. See you again in 2023. And hey, folks, never forget... Without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.